Hey, if you got your Bible, I want you to go to Luke chapter 2 today. Well, last week, a few of you could not get into this service. (laughs) Christmas Eve, some of you tried, 25 of you left. Glad you're back. It was standing room only when that filled up. A few of you said, I will celebrate Christmas at the house. Uh, We had an awesome time uh, together. What an awesome Christmas season. Want to wish everybody a happy new year. And uh, how many of you are looking forward to God doing some new things this year? Uh, You know, this morning, I want to give you a little bit of a discipling word. You know, uh, I want to, you know, there is always in this house an opportunity for people to meet Jesus. But I do feel like it's the responsibility of shepherds to make sure that the the sheep are nourished. And I believe that if we will, we will give glory to God, that if our services are meant to give glory to God, then everyone who comes will receive what the Lord has for them. So, um, you know, I, I believe God has some amazing things for us in um, uh, 2024. And uh, I, I think God is trying to speak those things to us. Now, you know, as a, a culture, we've gotten... Uh, communication devices are everywhere. You know, I, re- I remember when we went from the wired phone to the, the beeper. Y'all remember the beeper, right? Some of the kids are like, no, I don't know what a beeper is. Watch an old movie, okay? Uh, you get little messages, you know. Communication devices have come a long way. Cell phones used to be a giant box in a car. We used to call it a car phone. Because it required power to run it, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, I, you would think that we, as a society, the closer and closer uh, that we get to our communication devices, that we would actually get better at communicating. It's not working at all. Matter of fact, there are studies right now that, that show the longer that you keep kids decoupled from a phone, the more successful they are in life. I'm just telling you. I'm sorry, kids, that I just said that out loud. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not, parents, I'm not telling you to take their phones away, but more and more, the later they get these communication devices, the better off that they are. Now, now, by the way, husbands, this is not an excuse for you not to answer your wife's text. <laughs> Our communication devices have got much better, right? Because, I mean, you don't, I mean, you don't need to do much. You can actually look at your phone and push this little button. It's a microphone. And just talk to your phone, and then it will send a message. However, I have learned Siri doesn't speak redneck. I have a, I have a message from my wife, okay? She's asking me about things we need from the grocery store. I said, honey, we need bacon. This is what the text says. I said something different. I said, honey, we need bacon. And then it says in the text, Oko, O-K-K-O. Would be delicious. (laughs) 
in what English dictionary is the word oko? I then would get a text back from my wife that says, what? I'm like, wasn't I clear? And I looked down. I was like, and then I had to type, stupid voice to text. I said, avocado. <laughs> I, I actually prefer those little uh, suggested return statements, you know, like, you know, husbands, you're likely to get this text sometime this week. Why aren't you home yet? There'll be these little suggested texts that you can send back. Tap the one that says, on my way. <laughs> By the way, totally dissatisfying to your wife because it doesn't say anything. It just says, I'm somewhere. I'm not where I was. And you know I'm not where I need to be. I'm just... You know, I think sometimes uh, we need to text that back to Satan. Because I think sometimes we get messages from Satan that says, hey, where are you? Shouldn't you be further along? Shouldn't you be, you know, uh, you know, shouldn't you be a leader? Shouldn't you be having great influence? Shouldn't you be leading people? And you get all these ideas in your head. Satan's texting you. Some of you need to just reply. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Oh, man, I've got some verses that just spring up in my spirit. When a condemning voice starts to show up in my life, I hear the voice that said, he is the author and the perfecter of my faith. He's the one who started this story, and he's the one that's going to finish writing it. Some of you this year, you need to tell the devil, I am not where I used to be because Jesus Christ has changed my life. By the way... I'm not where I need to be. I'm on my way. When a condemning voice comes into your life, you need to give that condemning voice, Satan, a reminder. I'm on my way. Now listen. I believe God wants all of us to grow. He wants all of us to grow. And I, I want to share with you... Uh, a passage from Luke chapter 2 this morning that is very comforting, but one of these verses is very powerful, and it will teach you, and it will give us some tools to help us to grow in 2024. I don't want us to, to like look back at the end of next year and say, wow, I'm at the same place, or I regressed. God actually gives us the tools necessary to grow us. And I believe that God has actually found a people who want to see the kingdom of God increase. That we want to see the influence of Jesus in people's lives. And so we as a people need to learn how to steward what God has given to us. Now, Luke chapter 2, verse 40 through 52. This is a very, very comforting uh, passage. And uh, you'll... 
You'll figure out why if you have ever had children. This is talking about Jesus when he was 12 years old. It says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. It was a commanded feast. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went about a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, wait, stop. Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. <laughs> Remember we were talking about him? <laughs> Mary, visited by Gabriel. Joseph, spoken to by God in a dream. They're stewarding this. It's been going on for years. And the day comes... They lose the Lamb of God. <laughs> so if you have never traveled a whole day away from your children, you're doing better than Mary and Joseph. I think God can use you. I think God can use you. All right. So they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking questions. And all of who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? This is what we do, right? We blame God for where we are. Why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. And they said, just get in the car. <laughs> then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all of these things in her heart. And notice these words from verse 52. It's our roadmap of growth. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now, we're going to focus on 52 today because I believe this is a roadmap of how we are to grow this year. Now, this verse, these, this, this one verse contains 18 years 18 years of a process of growing. It goes from 12, the next time 
We see Jesus in the Gospels. He is 30, launching his ministry. 18 years of the life of Jesus. It marks the generation, the, the journey between preparation and public ministry. This is the journey. God wants to take his work in you public. But we cannot forgo the necessary preparation so that we can steward properly what he wants us to do publicly. Now, we can learn from this one verse what to do on our way. Now, I'm going to give you some, some broad ideas today. Um, I could spend probably some, on some of these weeks on each point, but I just want to touch on these. They're going to serve as a backdrop uh, of, of what we're going to be doing in the month of January. So when we're on our way, we need to first increase in wisdom. We need to increase in wisdom. That's what it says, that Jesus increased in wisdom. Now, you should write this down. Now, I teach a class called Ears to Hear. It helps people to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life. And when I define the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's a gift called the gift of, uh, of a word of wisdom. It is the supernatural revelation of how to overcome any problem. That's what the, the word of wisdom is. God says, do this, and this will be the result. That's what a word of wisdom is. However, today I want to kind of broaden that definition for you so that you understand what God wants us to grow in as we are being prepared. Here's, here's what it is. Wisdom is the knowledge and practices for godly and upright living. You know, we need more in the church today to go back and teach what it means to live godly. We once again, there are some things that maybe 10, 15 years ago, we would never really have to address, but yet today we find in a culture things that are wildly acceptable they're infiltrating their way back into the church. And what is it? It is a wisdom that comes from the world. So church, if we're going to steward what God has for us, we must grow in biblical wisdom. It's the knowledge and practices for godly and upright living. Now, I'm going to give you uh, the biblical definition of wisdom and that knowledge and, 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 and give you some insight Behind our motivation here at Calvary, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now listen, listen to this. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. First, first I, want, I want to give you this. If we're really going to increase in wisdom, we must increase in the fear of the Lord. We have got to stop treating God as if he's common. He is not common. Never going to be reproduced. Uh, there, there is, uh, I was, the day after Christmas, I found myself in the closest thing to hell on earth, Walmart. And 
the day after Christmas. People insane fighting over wrapping paper 50% off. I'm like, you guys have lost your minds. I went early to try to avoid the insanity, but it was already there. And I went in through the pastor's entrance, by the way. You know pastors have an entrance? It's the garden center. We go in when we don't want to see you because we know you're there. And if we go anywhere, we are not going in a main aisle. So so if you're ever looking for me at Walmart, you're going to have to go. So anyways, going in through the garden center, round the back, picking up something in the back of the store. I have this guy just walk up to me. And he just... He comes up to me, and he, he's from the Church of Latter-day Saints and begins to engage me. I'm like, I'm like, God, this is happening. I didn't shave. I got on a hat. This guy is engaging me. And, like, it was amazing what happened. Because I fear God, I did not ignore him. Because I did not treat God as common, I did not walk away. Listen, here's what I said to him. I said, you're Mormon? He goes, yeah. I said, how do you wrestle with Isaiah 43? And he said, what do you mean? God said, I am the Lord. I am the only God, and there is no other. I know not one. And yet he confesses he and his friends will become gods. See, the Mormons think gods are common. had a long conversation with him. He left with food for thought. I left with deer corn. Okay. (laughs) It was a good day. But listen to me. Listen to me. Here he is saying, many people will become like God. And here's the thing. We don't believe that in theology, but most of the church lives that way because they live as if they are the God of their own life. And we're absent of pure wisdom because we have lost the fear of the Lord, the reverential awe that God is God alone. I promise you, if, if somehow... Uh, the eternal God peeled back the sky and gave all of us a frame of reference of that throne described by both Isaiah and Ezekiel and then John in the book of Revelation. If we could walk around our every days getting a glimpse of that eternal throne, it would affect what you drink, what you eat, what you say, how you behave. You would live differently. Why? Because the influence influence of who he is would come to bear on your life in an attitude of heart called the fear of the Lord. And what would we do? We would be walking 
wisely. Now, what goes with that is understanding. And Proverbs 9, and, uh, uh, verse 10, it says, Understanding comes from one thing, knowledge of the Holy One. Knowledge of the Holy One. You know, it's a, it's a terrifying thing for most people to do public speaking. But if I were to put all of you on, a, uh, on the spot today and give you a 10-minute timer, okay? I'm going to give you a 10-minute timer. I'm going to invite you up here on the stage. And for 10 minutes solid, I want you to describe God in detail. Some of us would be like, uh, uh, uh. Died, buried, raised again. Nine minutes and 45 seconds to go. Our limited knowledge of the Holy One has actually led to low levels of understanding in the church. See, if I were to ask you, hey, what's Jesus look like? Well, you know, he was Jewish, so he's probably not a tall guy. You know, he's 5'11", 5'10", maybe, brown hair, brown eyes, you know, Middle Eastern, olive skin. You know, uh, I meant now. What's he look like now? Well, no, isn't that what he looks like? No. No, he doesn't look like that at all. Revelation says that his eyes are like fire, that his, his feet are as burnished brass, his clothes whiter than any launderer could ever whiten them. And by the way, contrary to the only verse you know about the voice of God, his voice is not a still small voice, not in the book of Revelation. It is as of the sound of many waters. Have you ever been to Niagara Falls and been there at the base? Have you ever been there? I've been to Victoria Falls in Livingston, Africa. I promise you, if you try to talk to someone near the base of Victoria Falls, they can't hear you. And I think what we have done in our limited understanding of God is we have reckoned the voice of God to a still small voice, not knowing that there is a level of him speaking today which is so loud it will drown out the other voices around you. Do you know him? And if you want to grow in wisdom, you've got to grow in the knowledge of God. Oh, man, I've had people come, come to me and say, you know, pastor, pastor, you know, I just feel like we need more how-to sermons. We need more how-to sermons. I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag. I said this a few weeks ago. I don't know what the cat's doing in the bag, but I'm going to let him out of the bag. I don't even know how he got in the bag. <laughs> Here at Calvary, almost all of our sermons are going to be about God. They're going to be about Him. Here's why. Real wisdom and understanding for, for life come through 
knowing him, worshiping him, living for him, giving him the preeminent place. And if we are going to be the people that God has called us to be, we must grow in wisdom. Now, how will you know if you're growing in wisdom? I mean, that's not something you learn in the mirror. That's not say, wow, I'm pretty wise. (laughs) Well, the scriptures tell you because wisdom comes with a tenor. It comes with an attitude of heart. James 3, 13 through 17 says this. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. This morning, it really wasn't even a part of my sermon. This morning I was in the Psalms. And over and over again in the Psalms, it reiterated this fact. The meek will inherit the earth. You're about to get a deluge of commercials telling, come on, take control of your life. Man, you can do it. Come on. And and some of you are going to start your yearly subscription back at the gym. And it's just going to be a donation. (laughs) You know it. And you're like, man, I can do it. It's willpower, willpower, willpower. And yet the scripture says real wisdom is meekness. It is strength under the control of God himself. And by the way, the meek are the ones that inherit the earth. Make no mistake. Make no mistake. When you walk in real meekness because you see him for who he is, God opens doors for you that you could never open for yourself. He will bless you and increase you, and people will go, what's your formula? And you're like, that one who changed my life, he tells me what to do. Notice what it says. But if you have bitter envy, self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against this truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and for those watching online, I'm going to find it. Is this word right here? Demonic. Don't discount the evil nature of walking in carelessness. Satan is behind it. Satan is behind the self-seeking. Satan is behind you living for your senses. It says, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But wisdom, when it's present, that is from above, it's first pure. Look at how it shifts the environment. Wisdom changes the environment. It's pure. It's peaceable. It's gentle. Willing to yield. Full of mercy and good fruits. Without partiality and without hypocrisy. Do you see that real wisdom will put you at peace? It won't won't bring you into chaos. It brings you into comfort. 
So we need to grow in wisdom when we're on our way to what God wants to bring us into. But then it says uh, that a, a second area, and let me, let me say it to you this way, we need to mature. On our way, we need, to, we need to increase in maturity. It says he grew in stature. Now, maturity has both a spiritual co- uh, uh, side of it and a physical side of it. Now, we mature naturally as we expose ourselves to things that promote growth over time. So we need exposure and time. Exposure and time. There is a time connected to maturing. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be mature. So how do we do this in the kingdom? How do we go through this process of maturing so that we are not in the same struggles, not in the same sin cycles, not in the same pitfalls, not in the same mire, not in that same place, that same thing over and over again? How do we mature? First Peter tells us, as newborn babes, I love this, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Maturity is directly connected to you exposing yourself to the word of God. Exposing yourself to God's word will be, listen to me, the primary agent from which you grow. It's the primary agent. We are born again by God's grace, but we grow when the seeds of his word come into us. They are watered by the spirit, and we continue in them over time. Let me, let me, let me give this to you. Um, this year as a church, and you can look us up if you have the Church Center app, or you have the Bible app, we are going to be doing a one-year Bible reading program. It's a very unique program, and I, I loved it when I found it because we're going to finish the whole Bible in one year, and that's not uncommon, but how we finish it in one year is going to be very unique. It has a personal application, but also room for a corporate experience, and here's what I mean. Monday through Friday, the reading plan works, so when you start it on the on the 1st, which happens to be tomorrow, when you start it on the 1st, um, you, you'll read for five days, Monday through Friday. Saturday and Sunday, they don't, they don't put the readings in there. Why? Because worship services all over America are both Saturday and Sunday. It makes room for you to digest what is being said at your local assembly, at your local church, to take these words that are being spoken to you and process them. So there is a personal growth of you sowing into your life, saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply the word of God. I'm going to desire the word. And then on Saturday and Sunday, man, I'm going to process what God is saying to me personally. There might be some other things that God lays on your heart to read. But then also, as a group of people, local assemblies, you process what God is saying to the house. And you walk through it together. Now, that you'll, you'll see that on all our, all our social media, and we'll get that out there. If you have the Bible app, make sure that you are connected to us as a church. Look up Calvary Church Inverness on the Bible app, version. Find us. You'll see uh, the link right there. Now, 
I have to give you this other side of spiritual maturity. So there is the word. That is the one component. That is exposing yourself to what is necessary to grow. But then there's a second part of it. And I have to give you it this way. Because I believe that the enemy has been whispering to some people. That he has been whispering to some people in this hour. And I have come as a messenger from heaven to give you God's message to your spirit today. Here it is. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. Whatever you do, don't turn your back on Jesus, but run full into the arms of God. Don't quit. Don't give up. Whatever you do in this season, don't give up. I know you've been fighting. I know you've been warring. And I know that you're tired. I know that you're weary. But don't quit. Don't quit. And watch what will happen in your life when you don't quit. Oh, some of the most convicting verses in the Bible, James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure, pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I, I think most of us just like to skip right over that verse. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Don't quit. You're growing. Don't quit. You are growing. God will make you into the man you're supposed to be, the woman you are supposed to be. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit on church. Don't quit on the word. Don't quit on fellowship. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. God is growing. Growing you, and he will mature you and take you into the place where he can use you in ways that blow your mind. Faith-driven consistency is the breeding ground for maturity. Hebrews 5 says it this way when these guys were, were teeter-tottering. He says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Hey, give it up. In fact... Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with teaching about righteousness, right ways to live. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use, you should circle that. I know what you're, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, here you go talking about works. No, 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 I'm not. The Bible is. Who by constant use. Did you know that you're not here to just to say, wow, I went to church today? You're here to get some tools to use in your walk with God. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. There are far too many people in the church that cannot tell the difference between good and evil. The reason is, is we have not been picking up the tools that God has given to us to use. If you start using the tools, you will start recognizing what is good and what is evil. This is why we are consistently focused on Christ. So we mature. Colossians 1, 28 and 29 says, He's the one that we proclaim. Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Here, here's those two grouped together. So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. 
To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. What an awesome statement from the Apostle Paul. He said, the very thing I am straining for is to see you grow, church. There is nothing that brings me personally greater joy than seeing you walk in your calling. Listen, I don't crave a pulpit. I don't crave this. This is how God has given me an assignment. This is God's assignment on my life. So I will walk in my assignment. But the thing that brings me joy is to see you following Jesus, knowing Jesus, putting to use those things that God has put into your life and see you walking. Oh, man, some of you, I remember the day when you walked through the door. You were broken. Some of you were Baptist. Those two aren't equal. Some of you were Catholic. And man, you got touched by that glorious Holy Spirit and God changed everything. And some people started rejecting you. And you said, well, I'm not going to argue with them. I'm just going to start using the tools that God has given me. And I started maturing. And people started talking less about your theology and more about your witness. So God wants us to mature. Now, when we're on our way, let me give you this last one. We need to increase in favor. And I want to tell you, as a church, I love the favor that is on this church. I mean, when, you know, God opens doors for us to do what we did in Liberty Park. Absolutely incredible. And just the beginning. There is a knowledge in the city that they need what the church brings so that the city will be what they desire it to be. There's that knowledge. I want to see us increase in favor. But, I mean, how do we do that? I mean, how do we really grow in favor? Now, listen. God's given us a tool, and I'm going to show it to you, and I'm just going to tell you now, you're not going to like it, but it's not my fault. This is in God's Word. It's a tool that most of us try to just ignore. We don't want to use that one. Any other tool, any other thing that will work to grow in favor. Look at this. Verse 52 says, Jesus grew in favor with God and man. All right. Does anybody know how Jesus grew in favor with God? Yeah, me neither. He's perfect, sinless, son of God. Somehow he grew in favor with God. God grew in favor with God. I just want to go and sit with that one for like a year. Now, I know I can see how we can grow in favor with God. It's through one attitude of heart. Humility. Humility. By the way, despite what you think, 
this does not come natural to you. You're going to need help. You're not just going to walk out today and say, that's it. I'm deciding to be humble. Because you have just gotten so prideful. <laughs> it's not going to work. You need a tool that helps you to walk in humility. Now, why do I say favor and humility are connected? Here's why. James 4, 6. But God gives us more grace. Remember, grace and favor are the same word. This is why the scripture said God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6 says in the same way you who are younger submit yourself to your elders. All of you, including the elders, clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. Humility attracts the favor of God. If you walk in pride, God will hold you at arm's length. That's the truth. That's the scripture. Now, I'm going to make a statement. Chew on it for a little bit. Everyone has the same amount of God's love. Everyone has the same amount of God's love. Not everyone has the same amount of God's favor. I'll prove it to you in simplicity. I'll, God loves the people who end up spending eternity in hell separated from him. He loves them. But what was the problem? They did not receive the free gift of his favor through Jesus. What, what's the difference? The difference is favor. They humbled themselves under God's mighty hand, received the free gift, and favor came. Blessing came. The joy of the Lord came. Both camps were loved. Only one had favor. Now I want to show you, I want to, I want to say this to you. Now within the saved folks, there are people who they're on their way to heaven and yet choose to live either fleshly or pridefully. And they will have a small amount of God's favor. But then there are those who humble themselves. And when God says, hey, I want you to go here. And he doesn't tell you why. And you go. You're humble enough to listen to that voice. God's favor will rest upon you. You see, the humble are available to be used because God's schedule is more important than theirs. It is God's determined purpose that reigns preeminent in their life. 
And the proper use of favor leads to more favor, and you need to understand this. This isn't the church that just believes that you're just going to be favor and favor and favor. I'm going to give you this other side of the coin. Extreme favor brings extreme opposition. There will come a time, I think, when what we're doing in the community, thousands of people are coming, great scrutiny will come to both me and to Calvary Church. Why? Because of the thousands of people that are coming to Christ. And I say, I will take the opposition, I will take the scrutiny and the persecution if it means the growing favor of God following a people who humble themselves and say, God, we're going to live for you. Share your message. Share your love. Full of your spirit. Full of your cause. You should know. First Peter says, be alert and sober. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout this world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Jesus said it. He says, if you desire and you live godly, you will suffer persecution. You're like, I'm not experiencing any. (laughs) There might be some things that need to shift. You and I are on our way. We're on our way. So, what's the tool? I told you before, you're not going to like it. It's fast and pray. Psalm 35 says this. It says, when you were ill, it says, I put on sackcloth, listen to these words, and humbled myself with fasting. Did you hear all of those excuses just, just sweep through the room? I did. You were trying to keep a straight face. And you were like, oh, my sugars are going to be out of whack. Yeah, yeah, you'll have sugar at the end of January because you won't have been eating it all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. Your flesh is going to go, uh-uh, uh-uh, stop eating. No, no. And some of you dudes in here, you're like, I can't be losing muscle mass. <laughs> but if you only l- knew how you looked in the spirit, you'd start working out a different muscle. Glory to God. <laughs> the tool God gives us scripturally is fasting and the church overall we just kind of wanted to throw that tool away and yet God in the sermon on the mount says when you fast we're going to talk more about that and and we're going to fast from January 4th which is just a few days away that's why I want everybody here on Wednesday It's a night of consecration saying, God, I need your help. And I I think for those who have never fasted before, you don't know this about God, but God is so attracted to weakness. He's so attracted to weakness. 
And when we humble ourselves, and we say, flesh, you're not going to dominate me. I'm going to be led by the Spirit. You will learn things about how big the God in you really is. And you learn it because his favor comes on those who humble themselves. Now, we're going to begin it on January 4th. God spoke to us. God spoke to me many months ago. January 4th ended on the 24th. He spoke to me the theme behind it before the dates. The theme happened to be John 4, 24. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such. So this is about unlocking those who worship God in spirit and in truth. And if God will find a people who will worship him in spirit and truth, I wonder what this region will look like at the end of 2024. There will be hundreds more in the kingdom, hundreds more discipled, hundreds more uh, born again. I mean, great things happening in God. I said all of that to the church. And yet, realizing that there may be some in here, you're not in the church. And these words may be like, good luck, guys. Listen carefully. You do not need to fast, pray, read, do anything to be born again and saved. You just receive the favor and the grace of God. You are saved by grace through faith, not of yourself, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And I just want to tell you, today, I saw this in the Spirit this morning. There's a seat at the table for you. God has saved a place where he has provided everything for you to come into real relationship with him through Christ. Everything's been provided. Righteousness with God. Forgiveness. Healing. Wholeness. Deliverance. It's all on the table and it's set. And you have a place at the table. You say, how do I take my seat in the family of God? It's repent and believe. It's turn from your old life and turn to God.